0: Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted, the last episode of the year. All alone, here in the studio in Bonn. No Connor. How about we read some emails? Hold on here. Um you guys i don't know how many people wished me a merry christmas thank you we got a couple of people who wrote about the uh, the snowball 68 segment a whimsical visit with snowball speaks most softly to my soul especially when followed by this sweet song thanks for the magical visit with the child who reminded me to stay in the whimsy and magic of christmas playing the guitar and singing on the radio was personal And more would be nice sometime, or lots of times, as a show-closer. One of the charms of the show, it is not overproduced. All good things for you and yours. And another email here says, Why I listen. I'm a fairly new listener. My husband passed. And because of not sleeping well, I turned on the radio CBC, found your program, and will not miss another episode. I set my alarm now at 4.25 a.m. on Sunday morning, So my coffee is ready when Connor and Gabe make their appearance. Love your voices and your antics and, of course, your musical abilities plus your family stories. Keep up the good work. (sighs) Thank you. Another one here. Hello, Gabe and Connor. You spoke to Snowball68 this morning about how physics and not magic is the reasoning behind Santa reaching a half a billion homes in 24 hours. I agree partially with you both, but remember... The magic is the reason for having discovered the physics, potentially, with a laugh. you know, that laughing smiley with the tears coming out of it. (laughs) And then he writes, I truly enjoyed the song you both performed, so keep up the great show and commentary, guys. And then there were two emails with regard to the interview with Rachel Stewart on homeopathy. I share your skepticism and amazement at the commonplace acceptance of homeopathic treatments in Germany. My wife sometimes brings home these tinctures. I sometimes have the fantasy of, after being sold homeopathic therapy at a German pharmacy, offering to pay by rattling some coins in my hands and wafting the money-energy-infused air over the cash register. If they really believed in homeopathy... This would be a more than adequate payment and a monetary multiplier on their whole pharmacy business, even if it is a placebo effect. If I ever find the courage to really do this, I will let you know what happens. And then there was this last one uh, from somebody who apparently speaks French. Your latest episode about homeopathy made me think about a funny publication of science vulgarization in protegez vous a local version of Consumer Reports, in 1997 on that subject. The journalist presented homeopathy as the lie of the century, and he proved his point by making an unsuccessful homeopathic suicidal attempt. That's, uh, <laughs> I guess, because there's, what, sugar? I guess you can't overdose on sugar? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then, of course, there was the one email from, from with the invitation that if if this person were to come to Germany, they would buy us lunch, and they were wondering, based on the research that Connor shared a couple weeks back about how to turn down or accept invitations. Um, what? what uh, first of all, of course, if you come here, if anyone comes here to Bonn. Especially right now because I'm all alone. But if anyone comes here ever, we're going to have lunch. Absolutely. We'll love lunch. We'll drink coffee or whatever. You, you, you might even make it on the radio. As a matter of fact, you, you will definitely make it on the air if you come here. And for next week, guys, um, the, the topic is going to be social status, status symbols how they are changing over time or how they have how they have changed over time. So if you have any questions for the researcher that I'm going to be speaking to in Dusseldorf, who's look, been looking at this for over two years, how status symbols are changing or just tell me what, what for you, what is a status symbol? Are they changing? Any thoughts on status symbols? Send them to me via email to su at dw.com. And right now, just a couple of With it being New Year's, some news, some New Year's news from the University of Cambridge. Some experts from the University of Cambridge, does it get any more prestigious, have warned people to be careful when opening bottles of champagne or Prosecco or whatever carbonated beverage you're going to be enjoying. The Cambridge Department of Ophthalmology wrote this week in the British Medical Journal that corks can reach speeds of 50 miles per hour and can cause permanent blindness the retina becoming detached, lens dislocation, and traumatic cataract formation. Together with the American Academy of Ophthalmology, the Cambridge doctors have tips for opening bottles in order to minimize risk. First, chill the bottle before opening. This will probably make the drink taste better, but maybe more importantly, it will reduce pressure and cork velocity. Next, point the bottle at a 45-degree angle away from yourself and others, And last, please counteract the upward-moving force of the cork by pressing down on it. Now this... (laughs) Sorry, I got a little cough here. This may sound idiotically overcautious, but the researchers reminded in their article that corks can travel from the bottle so fast, less than 0.05 seconds, that our blinking reflex is rendered ineffective. And they conclude, quote, The goal of this article is to ensure that you do not begin the new year on the operating table of an eye surgeon. Also in the British Medical Journal is a heads up that sales of the pregnancy blocking morning after pill will probably rise around 10 percent in the week following New Year's, at least in the United States. Researchers at Texas Tech University analyzed retail scan data for Levinor gestrel from 2016 to 2022 in. US. grocery stores, drug stores, mass merchandisers, clubs, dollar stores and military outlets. Overall, sales of the drug that can block pregnancies for up to 120 hours after sex increased by 0.63 units per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44 in the week after New Year's Eve. Based on population estimates in 2022, this equated to almost 41,000 additional pills sold, a 10% increase compared to the rest of the year. The study also included a survey saying that 70% of respondents planned to put in extra effort to be sexual with their partner on New Year's Eve. And although the annual spike in morning after pill sales might seem humorous, the researchers stressed that the matter should be taken seriously, especially given increased restrictions on abortion in many U.S. states. That's enough news for now. Uh, A little music break here. Happy New Year. For people who are listening on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day, wherever you are around the world, Happy New Year. Okay, for this last show, this last edition of Science Unscripted this year, we're going to look back to one of my favorite interviews this year on the the phonetic beauty of language, which languages sound most beautiful. That topic we talked to a Swedish researcher about that in depth, and that, that interview is coming. But first, we started by speaking about phonetic beauty with one of our colleagues here.
1: Uh, her name's is Kerti
2: Hi, Gabe. Hi, Connor. Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> and Kerti, you, um, you're you with us for a week. You're kind of seeing how audio production works behind the scenes. And Gabe and I, uh, because we're looking into the topic of languages, we decided to mercilessly well, use you yeah. <laughs> for our Kearty, own purposes. Kerti is with the Hindi department, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. I work mostly for the Hindi department, also sometimes for uh, Asia English. Mm-hmm. But most of my work is with Hindi.
0: And you were asking uh, some of your Indian colleagues what is the most beautiful language in India. Exactly. How did this? What what did did you ask them?
2: Yeah. uh, So I created a survey, uh, which was uh, online mostly, and I asked people to just tell uh, if they found any language was better sounding than the others, and uh, which language was that. And it was mostly the I was talking about the Indian languages. Because how, I want... how,
1: how many are there in India? How many different languages?
2: Oh, yeah, that is a very difficult question. Um, there are 121 languages which are spoken by more than 10,000 people, and there are 22 official languages. Um,
1: okay, so 22 official languages spoken in India. Yeah, and 120 spoken by at least 10,000 people or more. Yeah. that's a lot of different languages. Yeah. and of course, you weren't in your survey. You weren't asking about all of these languages. Or were you? Or what, what were you doing?
2: I just asked them if they fi- found a language beautiful and which was that, if, uh, if they did. Well, if put, us, put us through to your survey. Any language. Yeah,
1: that's, that put, we're, we're put gonna, us through your survey. We're okay. going to recreate a little bit of it here yeah. by listening to, I believe, I haven't heard these. You have a couple of clips yes. of some of the languages from India. Yes. And we're going to listen to these clips. And then, Gabe, you and I, and hopefully our listeners out there as well, We'll we'll just figure out which one we think is the most beautiful, and then we'll see if that lines up with your
2: survey. Okay, so that was number
1: one. How many do we have total?
2: We have five languages.
1: Okay, let's go straight into them, huh? Yeah. Okay, so I already have an opinion. At least we, we've had two of five between the, the. So do I? This is the first time I've ever done this. Heard a foreign language and
0: tried to assess its beauty. Really? Which one spontaneously? I, you, I like the
1: first one better than the
2: second I, one. I did, I did too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Then Let's get on to number three. Okay.
1: Oh, wow. I like that too. Did you? Yeah. Not my favorite. Huh. Staccato. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It was, it was fast. And the, it felt like the first one was more fluid, like a violin. As opposed to a um there was did, a, a, did, a, a did, nice
0: did. timbre in his voice though. Maybe that that's that was clouding my judgment. <laughs> did
1: that aspect see I was wondering if my own judgment was biased because I preferred the, the, the woman's voice to his voice. Yeah. Anyway, okay.
2: Uh, number four. and she was speaking mm. Hindi.
1: Interesting. Okay. okay. And now the last clip. Uh, yeah, number
2: five. le I like that one too.
1: Uh, who? I'm, I'm between number one and number five. Yeah, I'm going to go with three.
0: Three was my favorite, and one was my second favorite, and five was my third favorite. I'm going with but one. And like two and four. I'm going with one. Okay, so you didn't just ask us. You asked how many different people in the end with your survey?
2: Uh, There were about 180 people who answered the survey. And uh, it was actually in the sequence in which people liked the language. The first was uh, Bangla or Bengali. Second was Malayalam, which is a language coming from uh, south of India in the state called Kerala. And uh, third was Urdu. Fourth was Hindi, which is most widely spoken, but was not chosen as the most loved language. And uh, the fifth one was Tamil, which is spoken in south of India.
1: All right. Can I just say thank you very, very much, Carity, for conducting a a pretty decent study. (laughs) I mean, recreating aspects of a study that we're about to get into in just a minute here. But thank you for doing this on our behalf and for our listeners to, to kind of experience. A part of your country in a way I've, Gabe was saying this earlier, I've never experienced it that way. And certainly to hear those different sounds, that was great. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Kerry. Yeah, so Gabe, take it us away. Great. Last thing we've got to do before you leave, Kerry, we're going to whom now?
0: We are going to speak to a linguistics researcher uh, at Lund University in Sweden. He's just with his team done a study on that very question. Is there a language out there that sounds more beautiful than the rest? Are there phonetic components that are universally more beautiful? Well, let's see. Let's speak to him now. (laughs) His name is Niklas Erben Johansson from Lund University.
3: Science unscripted. All right. So my name is Niklas Erben Johansson. I am a postdoc at Lund University in Sweden, and uh, I work mainly on, I'm a linguist, but I work mainly on cognitive linguistics, so how things work in the brain, at least how we think it works. And I have recently, with some colleagues, done a study about our perception about how languages sound like. Nicholas, as briefly as possible, how did you conduct your experiment? So basically... We found a movie that was dubbed into a lot of languages. We uh, took out clips of different speakers from that uh, movie, uh, from from each language, and we played them to a bunch of participants online from three participant groups, English speakers, Semitic speakers, so Hebrew and Arabic, and Chinese speakers, so different different types of uh, Chinese dialects. They rated them according to how nice they thought. Uh, they, sound, uh, they sounded, the different languages. It, what was the movie? How great is God, exalted in power, majestic above all. <laughs> well, it's 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 a movie about Jesus, because we found it on this, uh, I guess some sort of missionary site or something, but it was open and... And it was dubbed into all these languages. It was a great resource.
1: So
3: we tried to limit the religious parts and not have those clips because that might influence something. Uh, but there was a lot of talk in, um, uh, in between the different re- references to God and Jesus and whatnot.
1: I'm just going to ask the question that I think all of our listeners want to ask, what is (laughs) the most
3: beautiful language on planet Earth, Nicholas? So if if we assume that the about 200 languages we tested in our study is representative of the whole world, which consists of about six or 7,000 languages, then it would be English. But the reason is not because that English is very pretty. It's basically because people tend to be familiar with it. So if musically
1: a language is going up, down, up, down, down with lots of different tones and, pos- I don't know, clicks, various sounds, mm. people don't like that as much as something that's kind of smooth and flowing.
3: In a sense, yes. But theres it's a bit more complicated because my my own native tongue, which is Swedish... Uh, has a very limited tone system. And people usually say that, lingu- uh, no, sorry, that uh, Swedish sounds very um, uh, sing-songy when we speak. Can you tell me in a sentence or two what you ate for breakfast?
1: But can you tell me in, in Swedish? And then can you tell me which parts of that Swedish sing-songy rhythm people like or don't like?
3: Uh I morse så åt jag två smörgåsar till, till frukost, på dem så hade jag ost och till det hade jag ett stort glas juice och lite filmjölk. So I don't know what that perceived as sing-songy to you.
1: I I wouldn't have called it sing-songy. It was like do 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 I don't know what that is. Well,
0: for me, for me,
1: I loved it. I thought I thought it was very beautiful
0: because. But I'm I'm probably biased because I'm Norwegian. I know a little bit. I know so because I'm familiar with what I just heard. Does that make me biased?
3: Uh, Yes, and especially as a Norwegian, because uh, Norwegians have the tones as well, or this limited tone system. But I couldn't tell you exactly why people find it beautiful or easy to listen to. Uh, But it probably has to do, again, with this, um, how frequent you have these uh, shifts in pitch, basically. If you have it all the time, it's overpowering. If you have none of it, it's kind of neutral. So it really does activate something uh, in the listener's brain. Before we conducted this interview, Connor and I, we heard clips
0: of Indian languages. And Mm. the question that I had going through my mind when we listened to those clips is I I had never done that before. I'd never heard a foreign language before and had to assess its beauty spontaneously. Mm.
3: What is beauty in language? What are we looking for? I guess, in a sense, we do look for things that we can grasp. So if 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 it's something where it's quite easy to parse, we will like it a bit more, even if we're familiar or not familiar with it, because that makes it easier because communication is all about being lazy. It's about having finding a way how to communicate the most amount of information with the least effort. That's what drives la- languages to change. Uh, And that's what drives uh, language to evolve as well. Something which seems very easy to perceive, even if you don't understand it or not. And that could be, for example, some of these prosodic things or pitch things like uh, having tones once in a while or having maybe very simple syllables. So a consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, or something instead of having consonant, 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 vowel or something like that, because it's very complex.
1: I have to ask about the French language because I feel like that is the... Language most referenced, at least by English speakers, as the most beautiful language. And it kind of contradicts what you've just said, which is why I have to ask it, because I can't understand a lick of it. It's one flowing, it's like water flowing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anyone who's listening <laughs> who speaks French. I find it beautiful. And yet I don't think I can cut it up into chunks of music either. Pourquoi, man? Uh, Yeah. So what's, (laughs) what is going on there? Is that, is that some historical reference since uh, French used to be, you know, the all powerful language that everyone spoke? It was an intellectual language. Is there something going on there or is there something objectively beautiful about the French language?
3: I think that the, the majority of the reasons why French is perceived this way is historical Uh, because it had such a prominent Uh, position in the world for such a long time Uh, because also if you think about which sounds it has, it has a lot of nasal sounds, it also has the very distinctive R sound like a R uh, but, I mean, German has a very similar R sound, but it's perceived as not so beautiful, generally. Oh, uh, you, like you, 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 can, you can thing.
1: say it, Nicholas. You can go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and say it. German yes. is considered one of the harshest, ugliest languages in the world, right? You best mein Sonnenschein. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, that's also how you say it. But <laughs> Gabe just said, yeah. you're, you're you're my sunshine, which is actually a beautiful statement, yes. but in a very <laughs> ugly tone. Um yeah, sorry, go on. I interrupted you, but you, yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, and I have the same situation with my dialect of Swedish, which is in the, from the south of Sweden, where we also have a r instead of a r, for example, and that's usually considered uh, not so nice, but by some people very charming. So th- there's always always a trade-off. But but to get back to your get back to your question um, about French, I think that the majority is historical reasons. Uh, and I also think that it's uh, evidence of uh, some sort of Eurocentricity here, because obviously French and German has a really big part of uh, European history, and that has been imposed throughout the world uh, through, I don't know, you know, cultural influence from certain parts more than other parts. Uh, and then then that becomes like a norm. Yes, French is great and it's beautiful, but it's more. it seems to be more of a construction that it is beautiful because people say it's beautiful rather than that people actually think it when they compare it to something.
0: And that was Nicholas Erben-Johansen from Lund University speaking to us.
1: Yeah, giving us a long deluge on the beauty of language. And... Kind of agreeing with us on on our when we when we riffed on or made fun of the German language a little bit,
0: he laughed.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I feel the need here to um, to walk that back a little because I think the German language has a very very poor reputation abroad, partially because of the of the kinds of movies people watch about Ger- Germany about German history. There's a lot of loud yelling in those, and I think one surprise for a lot of people who come to this country. And hear actual German for the very first time it 's way softer it 's a much softer language than you might expect, and there is some beauty to it, especially in a sound that i had, hadn 't paid much attention to before. It was the sh sound the ch sound it 's really be, it's like it's like it 's like yeah it 's like an ice it 's like an ice skate going across ice it 's really nice, and I think the best example of it that most of you might be familiar with is in the first couple lines of uh, the first verse of one of Germany's most famous musical export songs. This is uh, 99 Red Balloons, I think was the English translation, but 99
0: the, 90 Luftballons.
1: Yeah, and this is the German version and I want you to listen for that Nena, right? Nena, that yeah. ich or that sound it comes up a couple of times right in the first verse. <laughs> Lots of those sounds in there that I really like in the German language. So, yeah, if you're ever coming this way, it's a softer language than you might expect.
0: Yeah. I feel as though I should... Um Provide some examples of why I like German <laughs> language at this point, but
1: you don't have to do that. You can read. Well, we have a, we have a, an email in 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 the German language, Gabe, and there was a word in there in particular that it was. It's connected to what we just talked about.
0: This is a a brand new listener. She got in touch last week, and um, let me just read the email here from Britta. Hello, Connor. Hello, Gabe. Auf der Suche nach einer Möglichkeit, mein Englisch zu verbessern. Bin ich auf euren Podcast
1: gestoßen? Okay, so she's saying to improve her English, she found our podcast. She's using it for that purpose.
0: All right, and then she goes on. Ich war sofort Feuer und Flamme. <laughs> <I> <laughs> da da es absolut kurzweilig ist, euch so hold,
1: uh, Sorry, hold on. I don't know how to translate Feuer und fl- I was fire and flames. I think that in English that. And hold on, she says so forth. So right away, I was fire and flames when she heard us. What's the translation for that? I was um, I was blown away. Blown away. Blown away.
0: Well, Let's go with blown away. But in German, keep keep in mind, it's Feuer and Flamme, fire and flame. <laughs> <laughs> and then and now we get to why. Hold on here, Connor, du sprichst für mich das wohlklingendste Englisch
1: überhaupt. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Okay. So she's saying. Um, that my english is for her the best the, sounding the word the word vol right so klingen is to make a
0: sound a bell clings it, it makes a sound and vol is like a a, a a soft form of beauty your voice is literally beautiful sounding yeah the sound of beauty
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, just listen to it. No, I don't know. I don't know what to say there. It's a really huge compliment, and it was such a huge compliment that we were talking about it for a while in the context of this research. Well,
0: the only reason we're reading this email right now is that this study comes out on the beauty of language. And then I believe you wrote to Britta to ask her what exactly it was specifically about the sound of the beautiful sound of your yeah. voice. And that-
1: she, yeah, she went on to say in that second email is she, what she likes about it is the quote unquote perceived freedom from accents or of accents that it's kind of accentless. Britta, thank you for... That very nice compliment, and for paying attention to language.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, the, for the people listening to this broadcast right now, I, I just read a bunch of German. Britta's German. Uh, what did that sound like? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if you have absolutely no idea. well,
1: oh, I guess we explained no, what we, she was saying, but we we have a decent number of German listeners. I've seen that in the data. We have quite a few who are listening from Germany and who are going to probably. Be like, you did not pronounce that word correctly, Mr. <laughs> Gabriel Port. <laughs> I can see those emails coming in. Now, what do you think about language? What's your favorite, uh, least favorite? Have ha- have those opinions changed over time? Yeah, and, and why? I think the, the big question here is why. What is it
0: when you hear a language, and it doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen that you hear a language that you have no idea where it comes from or what it is, What what are you looking for? If one sounds better than the other, why is that? And did anything that Niklas Erben johansen said today make sense?
1: Su at DW dot com.
0: All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening and for all all the emails that you've sent every time that you write to us. You you make me happy. And I think speaking for Connor, I think that's the same goes for him. And just one last reminder: next week we're going to be talking about status symbols. How they are changing. What are your status symbols. Have they changed over time? Send me anything that, that you have to say about that, and, and please have a safe and happy and joyful and just a great New Year's. Have, have fun, guys.
2: Science unscripted.
3: Dw made for minds.